0: My name is Nancy Farrow, also known as Mama Lou, and I'm the founder of Epic Experience. Epic Experience' mission is to empower adult cancer survivors and thrivers to live beyond cancer. I hope that as you listen to Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer, you find hope, healing, and empowerment. Through stories and education, we aim to guide those impacted by cancer. And more importantly, offer love and support to anyone out there who needs it. This is Beyond Cancer. Hello, everyone. This is Gail, a.k.a. Sunshine. Today, we have Megan and Mike Shearer joining us around the campfire. And Megan and Mike are the founders of the nonprofit Worth the Wait. And I'm not going to say anything more about it because I'm going to let them talk about it later. But Megan and Mike, thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: So I'm going to start by asking you both to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, and always include one fun fact. So, Megan, why don't you go ahead and go first?
2: Okay. So, Mike and I are actually both from Columbus, Ohio, and we are high school sweethearts. So, Aww. I am two months older than Mike. So, I drove on our first official date once I had my license. I love it. And yeah, we've been happily married for 15 years, and we have a beautiful and fun little six year old boy.
0: Awesome. What's one fun fact about you?
2: Well, I really love s'mores. I have celiac, so I make a celiac s'more version with two pieces of chocolate and one marshmallow.
0: That is the way to do it. I love it. Mike, tell us a little bit about you.
1: Yeah. uh, Well, so Megan is right. We are high school sweethearts and she is slightly older than me, but she was born in a different year. So it actually sounds a lot older. So it I does. like to tell people, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a husband and a dad. And uh, I'm, a, I'm actually a financial planner in my full-time career. And um, Worth the Wait is my passion project. And it is Megan's full-time endeavor at this point. And a fun fact about me uh, I'm really, really short. I'm five foot six. Are you? I am. I'm very short.
0: <laughs> Fun fact. Now, Megan, does that mean you're taller than Mike? I must ask. I'm shorter. I'm five.
1: <laughs> I know. We feel so bad for our son. We're Perfect. like, <laughs> sorry.
0: <laughs> That's all right. He'll be fine. So, Mike, I understand that you <laughs> are a cancer survivor, and I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your journey. Your diagnosis, kind of symptoms, treatment, all of that kind of stuff, uh, for you.
1: Yeah. Um, so I I was diagnosed with testicular cancer at age 26. Um, as far as symptoms go, it, it, you know, I had kind of strange symptoms. Um, I had noticed a you know, I had a hard testicle basically, and mm-hmm. it didn't feel like a lump or anything like that. It was just one of them was harder than the other, and I noticed that really a good five to six months before I actually did anything thinking, you know, it would just go away. And then right. it actually changed a little. So like, then I got pain in like my pec muscles and, um, wow. I just was feeling really weird. So I, I Googled my symptoms and the first thing that came up or it was testicular cancer. Um, really for, for yeah. pec pain. So yeah, because I, my, it, it's a, it, so it's a germ cell tumor. And my tumor was releasing pregnancy hormones into my body. So HCG. And wow. that was causing my chest to hurt because it was like I was preparing to be a nursing mother. <laughs> That's so, fa-
0: I mean, I shouldn't maybe fascinating, yeah, no, not the no, right word, but th- I've never heard that.
1: Yeah, it it is. It's uh, they'll like some people will say men will kind of make a joke and they'll say if I had taken a pregnancy test, it would have been positive. And Um, I don't think I had enough HCG at that point, but I definitely had enough for the doctors to say you have cancer. So, yeah, so Megan, you know, really talked me into going to see a doctor. Um, once we did that, it was pretty quick ultrasound, then, you know, meeting with an oncologist, confirming a diagnosis and having surgery scheduled within about a week. Oh, wow. Um, and then following surgery, I, we kept testing tumor markers just to see what would happen. My tumor markers went up at one point and they were kind of saying, okay, it's time for chemo, but then we want to test them one more time. Um, And then Mm -hmm. they went back down. So Hmm. at that point, we didn't want to do any further treatment. I could have, I could have done RPLND surgery, um, didn't want to do that. So we just did surveillance. And then it was almost a year to the day that I um, had a recurrence. So wow. Yeah. So it was found in my lymph nodes. Um, and it chemo started less than a week after that. So I had three rounds of BEP chemo and, uh, that ended in August of 2012 and I have been cancer-free ever since.
0: That's awesome. I'm curious with the reoccurrence, was that just a regular like checkup that they found it or were you having symptoms?
1: Yeah. So it, it, Unbeknownst to me, my tumor markers were going up, um, but it was so slight that nothing was flagged, basically. Right. And then when we found the recurrence, we actually found it on a CT scan during mm-hmm. one of my regular surveillance checkups. And after finding it, they they kind of said, well, your tumor markers have slightly been going up, but it wasn't high enough to flag anything. But now that we see it on the CT scan, I think I had three lymph nodes that were um, I mean, enlarged. and. Yeah. Luckily, it wasn't in my lungs because that would have added a round of chemo. Yeah. But yeah, so chemo was was no joke. It was no fun. Um, mm. And, you know, Megan was my full time caregiver and she was amazing. And she's really the only reason I think that, you know, not only did I go see a doctor, but then I <laughs> actually got through chemo successfully. And frankly, she's a big reason uh, as to why we started Worth the Weight and where we are right, right now.
0: Yeah. So you were 26. Were you guys already married at that point?
1: We were, we had been married for three years. We got married right after a year after college at 23.
0: Okay. And like, I mean, you're still young, right? I mean, I know testicular cancer is a young guy's disease, but still how did that affect both of you um, mentally, emotionally? I mean, what was the impact?
2: It was really hard for me to watch Mike go through it because I just felt so powerless. You know, I kind of picked a a task that I wanted to take off of his chest. Um, I worked in insurance marketing at the time. So I said, I understand insurance in and out. Let me handle your prior authorizations. Let me be in charge of reviewing the bills, making sure they're correct. So I found a, you know, a, a way to make myself feel like part of the process. Yeah. I helped collect different um, materials for little chemo kits. So every day he had an infusion. We had some exciting thing to, to give to him to occupy his time. Um, but again, it was just really hard um, knowing that I really couldn't do any more than that for Mike.
0: Yeah, definitely. Mike, what was yes. it like for you being the patient?
1: Yeah. Um. So it's, it's kind of weird. People are surprised when I say this, but I, I had a feeling basically my whole life that I was going to get cancer. And the reason being, yeah, I've been around cancer my entire life. So my dad was Mm -hmm. first diagnosed in 1994. And then he, so my dad's actually had three different types of cancers, uh, throughout his life and he's doing fine. Um, but you know, I, I was with him on all of those um, journeys. And, and not only that, but then my grandfather was diagnosed, I want to say in 96, and they lived with us while he was treated. Oh, wow. um, so my dad, grandfather and I were all treated at the same um, cancer hospital. Uh, so, you know, it, obviously, it was a shock that it happened so young. Um, I, I thought I was emotionally prepared for it. So I just kind of put my head down and tried to power through it the best I could. I actually worked full time when I wasn't getting chemo. There was actually one time where I know Megan called my boss and said, Hey, send him home because he (laughs) shouldn't be there. And thankfully they walked in and said, why don't you go home? But, you know, I I think the emotional toll was really discovered after Mm -hmm. I was all finished with chemo. I, you know, I started having panic attacks and, Mm. uh, a ton of anxiety really uh, almost a year after chemo finished 2013 and it was it was pretty scary uh and and again megan came through and made me do the right thing and we i saw a counselor and you know unpacked it and and it's been fine since then but i didn't realize that you know ptsd essentially was a thing and i was going through it pretty severely
0: oh for sure Obviously, it seems like, or I shouldn't say obviously, would you say that having gone through counseling, talking about it, unpacking it, ultimately led you to be in the place where you could found Worth the Wait? In other words, had you not gone through that, do you think you would have been in the place to start this?
1: That's actually, that's a great question. And yes, because what we didn't necessarily anticipate when we started Worth the Wait is that you know, we were going to be put back into the cancer situation for lack of a better term. And, you know, I remember looking at Megan at one point and saying, wow, it's really good that number one, I'm 10 years out from this. Mm -hmm. Um, but number two, that we, we, you know, I talked to someone and I kind of worked through all those things because I'm, I feel a lot of times that I'm right back there, Uh, you know? Um, so I understand now and cancer helped me understand that there's, you know, life's pretty uncertain. Mm -hmm. And I think most survivors are pretty good at dealing with the uncertainty of life because you're forced to recognize that it's a, it's a fact and, you know, you have to listen to the experts around you and do what you can, but ultimately you don't control the outcome necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the only certainties are that time is our scarcest resource, and we're going to run out of it at some point,
0: yeah, I hundred percent agree. I just had someone tell me that same thing recently in terms of my my own cancer journey and being able to handle mm-hmm. this tumultuous situation we're having at work. Your son is six, yep at the time, I don't think I'm not doing the math quickly, but I don't think you had him. I don't think he. So how did this figure into your own personal journey and then the bigger picture of worth the wait in terms of having kids?
2: Yes. So we were really lucky that Mike's oncologist suggested sperm banking Mm -hmm. before his surgery and then again before his chemo. So we knew that we had some frozen sperm. We didn't really understand what it meant to use that in survivorship, but that peace of mind really helped us. And then when it was, when we felt like it was a good time to start a family It was a tumultuous experience. We went through two and a half years of infertility treatments. Mm -hmm. Nothing was covered by our insurance. It was a very isolating time, very emotional, and we just really struggled a lot. Uh, The silver lining is that we were able to have a wonderful, healthy child in the end, and we are so lucky and fortunate to be in that situation. But as we reflected and, you know, spent a lot of time together in 2020 talking about life yep. and how it could make life better considering our current, you know, our circumstances at the time, we decided that we wanted to do something to help other people in similar situations, especially without insurance. We were lucky that we could afford it, but some of these treatments to have children after cancer the costs are exorbitant. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to start Worth the Weight in 2021, and we have helped 41 cancer survivors so far either preserve fertility, pay for fertility treatments, adopt, work with surrogates. So we really want to be as inclusive as possible when it comes to building a family. So we're working with couples and individuals, really anyone with a financial need who meets our criteria. Uh, we, we love to assist them in building their family and, and keeping hope alive for parenthood.
0: If you can, in a, in a soundbite, what does Worth the Wait do? Those, I mean, you've just listed the ama- all the amazing people that you're helping. But if you were to summarize it, what would you say that Worth the Wait does?
1: So I would. <laughs> we we provide financial assistance for cancer survivors who are looking to preserve fertility before treatment or go through fertility treatments following treatment. And and the fertility treatments, you know, it's adoption, surrogacy, embryo donation. You know, we really kind of run the gamut. We 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 want to listen to what people want to do because everyone's Mm -hmm. situation is unique and, and people can't always do the same thing. And, you know, we want to go right alongside them on that journey and, and help them out and make sure that the finances aren't a barrier to what could otherwise be a miracle that if someone didn't have to worry about money, obviously they would attempt it, right. If they wanted to be parents. So that's what, that's what we strive to do worth the wait. So that's a lot wordier than you asked.
0: (laughs) No, that's perfect. So you're providing the finances. Do you also help, you know, somebody comes to you for wanting to do surrogacy, that's a lot different than doing adoption or than doing, uh, you know, trying it on their own. Do you lead or I guess direct them to resources for more information on those things? Do you provide that or are you mainly just the financial uh, piece of it?
2: So informally, we provide that. We've really been working to form a lot of great relationships with uh, different agencies and clinics that you would need to start a family and survivorship. Uh, so right now, it's me and Mike and some volunteers, but you know, long-term plan, we would like to play a much more active role in um, the education, advocacy, and really leading people down that path because you know, some of the conversations that I have with applicants, I'm the first person they've ever talked to who's, yeah. who's dealt with IVF or yeah. other fertility treatments and people are really alone and they just want to hear, you know, one success story. So you know, we love sharing our story because we think it inspires so many other people that are just feeling
0: down. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, what a horrible situation that you all went through and yet you have your son, but what blessing has come out of it for others, because you can not only provide the finances, but someone who really has been there and understands. I mean, that's, that's huge. Can you share any success stories? I mean, I know you may not be able to share names, but I'm curious if you have any in any of those realms, whether it's adoption or surrogacy or any of those.
1: So actually when we set this all up, we, we really kind of just said, okay, let's help one couple and see where it goes from there. And so our very first grant, we, we paid off adoption costs for awesome. a couple and yeah, they had, you know, were able to go fly out, uh, and pick up their baby. <laughs> and That's so that, that, yeah. So our very first grant was pretty, pretty cool. Since then, I'll actually let Megan talk about the other, um, the other success stories we have. We do have a few.
2: Yeah. We have one other couple. uh, The wife is a breast cancer survivor and they are expecting a child through adoption this fall, which is really amazing. Uh, We have another couple who is expecting through reciprocal IVF. So they Mm -hmm. are a same sex couple and they created an embryo with a donor. And then the partner is carrying the baby. Wow. So we've we've just learned of all these amazing and inclusive ways that
0: families can be built. It's amazing. And you said you've helped how many? 41? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. yep. That's in yeah, 21 awesome.
0: different states. So
2: it's been really interesting to see just the geographic reach. We actually just awarded a grant to a survivor in Alaska.
0: Awesome. That is amazing what would you tell someone who is a cancer survivor is hoping to start a family and maybe experiencing fertility challenges? What options are out there? What resources? Where would you start?
1: You know, I, so hopefully the, one of the best places to start is their if they're going to a comprehensive cancer center right there. And, and frankly, change can happen with them too so if they are going hmm. to a comprehensive cancer center that might not have a robust reproductive uh, or onco fertility program you know they can say hey listen uh, we need this um and that's what we're kind of trying to work on with hmm. some places right now but there's there's resources like worth the wait and there's some other organizations um like live strong can provide um vouchers for medications so there's other resources out there but I, I think you know we get a lot of referrals from social workers um, and nurse navigators at at cancer centers and that's a really great place to start because i tell everyone my my oncologist said go preserve your fertility mm-hmm. but my oncologist said that after giving me this basically three-page list of the potential side effects of chemo, how it could give me other cancers, how I could die from chemo. And then I had to sign papers, right? Mm -hmm. To Okay. We're going to start this treatment. So when they say, Hey, preserve your fertility or, you know, whatever after that, uh, that's, you're not even listening, Mm -mm. (laughs) but then the nurse navigator and a social worker come in the room and say, okay, let's talk about, you know, what you really need to do next and that's when you know it really sank in like okay I have a care team I need to talk to that care team
0: yeah it's almost like you need to all of the overwhelming side effects it you need to leave that room and go on, or at least leave that person and talk to this other person because you yeah just, your brain just like freezes I think
1: yeah
2: I think a, a social worker is a great place to start. If you're already working with yeah. a fertility clinic, make sure that you really like your physician. Mm. Um, Mike and I went through two different clinics, just finding somebody that we felt was listening to us. So that's really critical. If you're exploring adoption, you know, talk to a lot of different adoption agencies and see what feels right and see how many cancer survivors they're working with. Because it's a different process it can be a different process right. um and then also one thing that not a lot of people are talking about and we're we're hoping to do more education around this but embryo um donation is an amazing way hmm. and it sometimes can be cheaper than adoption um depending on if you can carry the child or if you need a surrogate um but a what is that
0: yes. you, yeah sure
2: so um People who are going through IVF create embryos. So a sperm and an egg are fertilized. And sometimes you have a lot of success and you have a lot of extra embryos left over and your family feels complete. You can actually donate those to a clinic or there's some other groups that are popping up that can help facilitate, you know, Using letting another family carry that embryo, hopefully it becomes a child, and there's a genetic connection between siblings that are raised by different families. But it's a really beautiful thing, and hmm. uh, something that we've been learning a lot more about. Um, but a, a great way if you are not able or if you don't want to have a biological connection to a child.
0: Wow, I did not know that. I'm learning a bunch today. Um. I would imagine that there was a big emotional, mental toll with doing the fertility work because you you said it took how long for you two, two, two
2: years. to get pregnant. Yeah,
0: I would imagine that is emotionally, mentally hard. What have you guys learned that you might offer to someone who's going through this, in and on the emotional and mental level? um what skills did you learn what coping mechanisms how did you work together what can you share
1: you know we really just leaned on one another and mm-hmm. it, it's we went through the whole gamut of emotions from being really excited every time we were going through a treatment um to being pretty devastated every time yeah. it didn't work and then it just after doing that so many times it just did start to feel a little hopeless you know, uh, but yeah. And we, we had actually, we used all of my banked sperm on two unsuccessful attempts and we didn't have anything after that. And we decided to do one more IUI at that point. And I, even the doctor who was doing it said, Hey, this is likely not going to work because your, your sperm sample was not very good and it worked. Wow! So you, you know, you don't, you don't know how these things work. And I think if you just lean on one another and understand, eventually we will be parents. We're not necessarily sure of the avenue that we're gonna take to do that. We started looking at adoption at that point, but there is a way to do this. So let's just see what happens and let's talk about our feelings and let's, let's be angry but yeah. let's also laugh. And let's also understand that, you know, Hey, we're here trying to do this because I survived cancer. Exactly. Right. Yep. And so, you know, this is, we still have a pretty awesome opportunity, but yeah, the, the waiting is, is it's really difficult. It yeah.
2: tested our patients for sure. And I think that was, one thing that was really helpful for me, in particular, since I was the one taking on the brunt of the the treatment and doing the injections and all of that, uh, finding somebody else who was in a similar situation and being able to talk and really have somebody who truly understood what I was going through was
0: invaluable. And where did you find someone like that? That's actually an excellent point.
2: So friends, family yeah. introduced me. Um, once you kind of tell people what you're going through, everybody today seems to know somebody who has yeah. done it or is doing it. And so that was a, a huge uh, game changer for me.
0: Oh, I bet. Is there anything else that you would share with someone who's at any place on the journey, either newly diagnosed, ready to start? talking about having kids, trying and not succeeding right now. Is there anything you would share with someone listening that I haven't asked you about?
1: You know, I, I really think that I would just say you're not alone. It, it feels so isolating and, but you're, you're not alone. And it's really helpful when you're ready to talk about it with, Mm -hmm. with, other folks, even though, you know, they're not necessarily going through or didn't go through the same thing, but they went, went through something similar. Yeah. Uh, there's a, an amazing power in community. And I think the community, especially in the adolescent and young adult survivor, uh, you know, area is just unbelievable. You do have to seek it out, though.
0: Yeah.
2: Since starting our charity, I've learned of so many wonderful nonprofits, and there are support groups out there that you don't even have to leave your home to participate in. Um, so I would say, don't do this alone. Reach out, um, even if it's just to us, and you know we can be a, a um, encourager. Um, don't do it alone.
0: Definitely. Well, the last question I always ask people is marshmallows over a campfire, slow and steady or flame and crispy. And Mike, since you're, you're, uh, I can see you smiling, but what is your answer?
1: Oh, <laughs> um, I, uh, I set it on fire immediately.
0: <laughs> yes. A man after yep.
1: my own heart. Oh Yeah. <laughs>
2: And that is not me. We actually were just at a camp out last weekend. And my son was like, is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready? And I was like, no, no, no. We're going to get this
0: perfectly toasted. So you are slow and steady and see opposites attract. And here you are. Wonderful. Oh yeah, yep. Thank you both so much. This was educational for me. I am sure that you have uh, provided resources and information and education to those listening. What is your son's name? I did forget to ask you that. Elliot. Elliot. Congratulations on Elliot. He's six years old. That is amazing. Thank you for sharing your story. And uh, I look forward to hearing more about people that you help down the road.
1: Thanks for having us. Thanks for
0: having us. Until next time we gather around the campfire, keep living beyond cancer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer. For more information about Epic Experience and our programs, or to donate, please visit our website at epicexperience.org. Music for this podcast is provided by Moonshiner Collective. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us so we can share our story with more people. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are released. We hope you come back and join us for our next episode.